Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, Rich Weekly Study, an often forgotten installment in a franchise, and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And maybe I should have called myself the host from Earth this week. Maybe that would have been appropriate, seeing as what we're talking about is uh, is none other than everyone's favorite science fiction franchise, yours and mine, The Man from Earth Holocene. Can't that's help it, but notice yeah. uh, there wasn't a lot of follow-up, and that's because any attentive listeners at home know that I lied. Nobody knows what The Man from Earth is. <laughs> uh so we occasionally try to be like hey how obscure are we willing to get on this program and the obscurity is often kind of the point we don't always go super deep cut but like we've had a few in our day um for better or worse like i think new year's eve was probably one of those and you know we we know how that went but uh the man from earth is kind of like a cult hit to some and uh a decade later, they, they crowdfunded yet again and made a sequel with the funniest name in the world, which is the Man from Earth Hollow scene, which is one of my favorite things to say ever. And um, Liam, we just kind of decided to say fuck it on this one, huh? We sort of punted. That's right. Yeah, we had it uh, halfway down our big master list and Corey just, you know, we were scrolling one day and Corey locked onto it. In the way that he said, what the fuck is man from Earth Hollows? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were hesitant at first to do it because, you know, New Year's Eve was only a few weeks ago and we didn't know how into the weeds we wanted to get yeah. back to back to back. Well, I mean, and we the just Brahms did boy too. We just kind did of a bust. police story four, which was weirdly a bust. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not to say you shouldn't go back and listen to those episodes, but just in terms of the movie, it's uh it it they seemed they came through a bit flatter than we were hoping our conversations were good best conversations anyone's ever had that's fact. true so you should you should check it out but they're worth rating five stars movie. on your podcast service of choice that's right but man from earth holocene and this is a whole lot of judgment on our part but man from earth holocene it sounds like it might be kind of flat right that's a, oh that's yeah a, and if, you, if you're judging this book by its cover it looks like trash <laughs> oh it's some neil breen tier dude Poster. yes does it not energy, look exactly like the energy oh my radiating gosh. off of this is deeply profoundly neil breen i know when i realized that the star is not the writer director i was floored yes yes i was too i was too so we we took a gamble here on what can only be described as neil breen energy and um neil breen core neil breen core all the way down to, like, David Lee Smith, the lead actor. He's got Neil Breen. He's a much more handsome man than Neil Breen, but, like, you could see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 got a sort of vibe about him. I, I kept thinking that, even watching the movie. It wasn't just the poster that did him dirty. It's just, like, this is a... The whole performance kind of, you know... Is Neil, Breen is a, is a, Neil Breen is a poor man's David Lee Smith. <laughs> and so, um... The Man from Earth is a book. It's a screenplay. Sorry. I thought it was a book up until literally right now. Um, <laughs> I'm dead serious because I knew it was written by somebody else. There was a screenplay right. by Jerome Bixby that took him like 35 years to write. He finished it on his deathbed. This is for the first movie, Man from Earth. That movie 
which I didn't know anything about until now, uh, revolves around <laughs> revolves around John Oldman or John Oldman for As anybody Corey keeping want to call him, <laughs> which I'm gonna continue calling him until I have to start calling him John Young. Ugh. And um, so John Oldman is a very old man. Turns out he's secretly 14,000 years old and from the Cro-Magnon period and has lived his whole life. And now he's a college professor and he's having a going away party. And the whole going away party is him admitting to all of his friends that he is a 14,000 year old man who was the inspiration for Jesus Christ and was a disciple of the Buddha, etc., etc. And uh, a bunch of people in different academic disciplines kind of having to come to grips with that. And it's sort of 12 Angry Men-esque in that it's all dialogue uh, and sort of grapples with big philosophical concepts and what it would mean for this person to exist in the real world. And Liam, I have not seen that movie. Have you? You did a good job at describing it. Yes, I have seen it. Um, I was I was a big fan of this movie early high school before I watched it. So I what stumbled upon mean? this. <laughs> I stumbled upon this movie probably in the ninth grade or so, eighth or ninth grade. Um, so just right around the time it came out. And I learned that it was a largely dialogue-based movie that all took place in one location, just people talking at a party about uh, this this dude that they're starting to learn is a very old man, possibly. And I thought that was so cool. I mean, this was, this was the point in my life where I was getting really into dialogue-based <laughs> really high-concept movies like that. <laughs> um, like, this was the time that I watched Cube, which we've talked about. This was the time I was getting into uh, Primer and, um, like, Very much Fermat's feels like, it, like it's one of those. Like, yes. the vibe I get is very much that. It's low-budget as hell. It would cost, like, $200,000. Like, Yeah, yeah. So this this was totally my thing. I was so interested in watching this movie. Um, so I pulled it up. I think I watched it on, you know, Project Free TV or something, some illegal streaming site. Um, and this this which movie actually got... they're fine with. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, friend of the show, Keiki, watched this show, this movie around the same time on <laughs> the, pir- the Pirate Bay um, with his parents. And that's that's kind of where the audience was found, was Sorry. on Pirate Bay. I apologize yeah. for laughing. I'm laughing because uh, friend of the show, Keiki, fucking hates that movie. <laughs> And That's he told right, me yeah. about that at length. That's right, yeah. So Keiki watched the show, um, the movie, on, on Pirate Bay with his parents and, and fucking hated it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if that was before or after I also watched it. Probably around the same time. Um, I don't remember talking about it with him, but it, it definitely would have happened through the years in our friendship. I mean, this is going back like over a decade. I actually searched our Facebook conversation wow. over the last eight years or so um, to see if we had ever talked about it. And it doesn't seem that we had. But um, from my recollection, I watched the movie and I didn't fucking hate it like uh, Keiki can confidently say he did. But I... I didn't latch onto it the way I was latching on to basically every other movie of the type that I was seeing at the time. So um, I think that really says something because back then, you know, I would I would have been blown away by anything that went over my head. You know, I just I thought that was cool. Um, just the based on premise alone, the movie didn't really have to be that good for me to champion it because I was <laughs> I was discovering like new subgenres. Because you were fourteen. And... That's right. Yeah. So. 
um, the movie was basically going to win me over regardless. And and maybe it did. I mean, maybe I went around high school later telling Keiki about the movie and, and how rad it was based on concept alone and stuff. Um, I'm really not sure. But I know that now, over 10 years removed from the movie, I look back on it not with fondness, but just, uh, damn, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't either, dude. My dog would have been there when I watched Man <laughs> from Earth. <laughs> <laughs> having flashbacks <laughs> um, so I'm getting the impression you did not you don't think it's good am I wrong? no yeah I, d I don't remember uh, I, I don't think it's good now I don't really remember what I thought about it back then but in my memory like it is it's just people well one it's it's what it sounds like which could be for better or for worse but I don't think it does a whole lot with that premise i mean it's just it's a lot of telling instead of showing which like you don't have to do in just dialogue driven movies like 12 angry men is the same sort of thing but you get a lot more depth of character from that sort of um those sort of performances and that sort of writing whereas this man from earth in my recollection is just a lot more uh really surface level on the nose stuff of this is where I've been. This is what I've seen. This is how these other people feel about it. I don't I, think there's I a whole lot of Columbus, of Columbus, which means I'm a terrible person. <laughs> I don't think there's a whole lot of theme otherwise. Um, and I think me and Cakey are in the minority here. Like I, I watched a few scenes from man from earth last night, the original, just to get it back into my head. And basically everyone in the comments loves the fucking movie. Um, like Corey said, it's a big cult classic. And so I'm not going to tell anyone not to watch it, especially with a kick-ass premise like that. You know, check it out and see for yourself. But um, it, it wasn't one of my... It's it's not one of my favorites now. I, and uh, back then, if it was one of my favorites, it quickly faded because, you know, as I talked about in the Cube episode, I still looked back on Cube nowadays really fondly, whereas I don't feel that way about Man from Earth. Um, it's... I, th I found it a lot more boring and uh, uninteresting, unfortunately. And so, uh, but it's been over 10 years since I saw it. So I, I was ready for this one to do whatever it did. And um, I should say that the sequel was a discovery to me as well. You know, I put it on the list however long ago, but I was so surprised to find it had a sequel. And when I learned it, I put it on the list immediately. So I did not hear about the sequel coming out when it did three years ago, despite having seen the movie and knowing a good amount of, about it. You know, I, I don't know if this just came out under everyone's radar or if I was just so out of the Man from Earth Club by that point that I didn't hear about it. But this, this despite me having seen the movie back in the day, being one of those... Uh, one of those people that got into it. Um, th this this is still a deep cut to me. I'm I'm surprised that this movie exists. Yeah, and um, it's weird. I I could have swore this movie was kickstarted, but I can't seem to find anything that's actually telling me that. So maybe I'm I'm misremembering. But in any case, yeah, this was a discovery to me too, and it's one of those things where. It's a great concept. Um, the first movie, I think, especially. But it kind of sounds like something that uh, is like a Twilight Zone episode. And maybe not two movies worth of, of information. Uh, so I wasn't really sure what to make of it 
going in, but it's one of those things where I can completely understand based on the pitch you've given for the first movie, like why people would like it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's going to be so easy for that kind of movie to be really preachy and vapid and shallow and like weirdly, like if it doesn't have consistent or compelling ideological concepts to present it's gonna be so weird and bad you know like i feel like in the parlance of the bible um trying to get a camel through the eye of a needle on that one a little bit sounds kind of difficult yeah that's a good way to put it man i think you summarized my thoughts better than i could and you haven't even seen the movie (laughs) yeah well and i'm 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 pulling a bit from how i feel about uh the sequel because the gimmick's kind of the same. Uh, so the sequel revolves around uh, John Oldman has become has become John Young. <laughs> like this dude's not even fucking trying <laughs> with these with these names. Jeez. Well, it's been fourteen thousand years. He's running out of ideas. Well, maybe try changing it from John to something else for starters. You could do it just, that. It, it wouldn't feel like him. People would call his name and he wouldn't he wouldn't remember to respond. He's been around for 14,000 years. He's adjusted right, so to he's, so he's, many he's, last names. He's had a long time to Here's get the used thing. to his the name, name John. His name wasn't John in fucking when he was carving cuneiform into Sumerian tablets. Like that was that was 10,000 years ago, Corey. <laughs> he's been used to John for at least a century. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. And um, so he is a he's a religious. No, he is a religion professor. Figure. He's a religious <laughs> figure. He is Jesus Christ. And um, so he teaches religion classes at a university. And there are four students in that class that are really just all all about him. They're fucking they're big fans, big fans of his work. Um, some of them are hornier than others about it. Uh, it's true. Um, but we've got Isabel. We've got Tara, we've got Liko, and we've got mm. Philip. And they, through happenstance and some old books, discover that, hey, maybe our prof that we really like, who knows everything about every religion and is just a deeply compelling uh, instructor and intellectual, might be at least 14,000 years old, if not potentially also the son of God. We should probably try to figure that one out. And so they do. And there's a bunch of detectiving that kind of goes into that. And John old man discovers that they're on his tail and he wants to try to hightail it out of there because, um, uh Oh, he's no longer immortal. Maybe he is starting to age a little bit. He can no longer heal like Wolverine or Jesus, I guess. <laughs> and, um, he, uh, he's trying to figure out what the deal with that is. Um, is it because the hollow scene is ending? We don't know. We'll find out. I don't mean to disparage this movie, but I think, you know, you got to lean into the silliness of this a little bit. And um, it ends with a confrontation where they're like, hey, you're 14,000 years old. You might be God. And if you're not God, then you should be God. Have you considered being God? And he doesn't like that at all. And so there's a debate between him and Disney Channel star Sterling Knight. And then the movie just sort of ends. Sort of, yeah. Guess I that, mean, that kind of became a rundown unwittingly. There's the rundown. Yeah, good job. 
Nice. <laughs> Good job. Thanks, bud. <laughs> uh, but yeah, expectation-wise, like we said, um, Neil Breen vibes. I thought this was going to be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, just based on like poster alone? Is that what you're going from? Poster, plot synopsis, budget. <laughs> um, the, the word hollow scene. The word hollow scene, which is very fun to say. Um, yeah, it just didn't instill confidence in me. And m- moreover... Like, these are such big, lofty ideas and a big philosophical concepts that it's so easy to just be, like I said, either preachy or boring or just bad. Like, just have bad ideas about the way of the world or just bland. Like, the worst thing this movie could be is bad in a way that is not interesting. Like, Neil Breen movies are bad in a fascinating way. So, it's like, if this is bad and fascinating, cool. If this has actually got some interesting stuff going on, also cool, but I expected it to find that middle slot where it was just sort of bland and not interesting, which is the worst thing it could do. Right. And what did you, were you worried about the same kind of thing having seen the first one? Well, you know, I, I had it in my head that enough time had passed since the first one, and I knew that the writer would not be able to come back because on the uh, account of being dead and so um i I was (laughs) i was pretty i was pretty sure that this would be um it it would it would feel different so i wasn't i wasn't thinking this would be another dialogue driven movie i was thinking the budget would be a bit bigger than that first one so we'd get more sets and so um i thought that Honestly, I was thinking this might be a uh, a more um, like affable uh, version of the Man from Earth. I, I was sure that they would get deep into the weeds um, at some point because it's it's a high concept. But I thought that they did the thing they did in the first one already, and so I thought. I, I had it in my head this movie was gonna was gonna cut that stuff with like with some sugar and spice and so I kind of I was I was I was looking forward to seeing what this was gonna do I mean dare just the I say you of, had faith yes <laughs> um, just the concept of doing a sequel ten years later is is always interesting um, and so uh, I, I was. I was kind of down. I was I was still hesitant because I knew I would have to talk about the first man from Earth, and I knew I wasn't super stoked on it. And then that made me think, okay, well maybe I won't be super stoked on this one. So I wasn't I wasn't dying to see it. This is sort of a a, a bold pick for Corey and I. But uh, the more I thought about it um, before watching it, the more the more faith I did have in our Lord and Savior John Oldman. Yeah, that's who he is. It's true, and um, it's what the Bible's about. If you've ever read that before, it's true. Um, so I'm going to ask a loaded question and we can oh, get as deep or not into this question as we want. Um, but Holy go- shit. going into a movie like this, I feel like your interpretation of religion and in particular, like Abrahamic religion, furthermore, arguably just Christianity in general um will very much color the way you interpret the movie so i don't think there's any possible reason this could have come up before now on this show uh it's true i i knew it was gonna happen at some point you a very religious guy do you do you god bro (laughs) have you heard the good news (laughs) 
Um, so I should, I will answer your question. This isn't a classic Liam uh, getting away from your question, not to get back to it. But I just want to preface this by saying, um, Corey and I have not talked about this. We have been friends for uh, three, four years or something. This hasn't come up. This is so, how I find out he's like, a, you're, you're like, you're deep into some shit. <laughs> Let me tell you about my man, L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> Um, no, so Corey and I haven't talked about this, and of course, we haven't yet stumbled upon a movie that would lead it to happen. I mean, there's some stuff on the list that I thought we might get here before. Like, Corey and I have the God's Not Dead film on the on our movie yeah, list sure to watch. Yeah, we sure fucking do, and I don't know how long it's going to stay there, but anyway. <laughs> because we're doing it as soon as possible. <laughs> this movie got me fired up. Okay, so I'll lay it on you, Corey. Religion? Yeah. I don't even know her, bro. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I wasn't raised into it at all. I mean, I was I was baptized as a kid, and um, at my um, my mother's uh, request. But my father, who was raised very religious, was not down with it because my my father had walked away from the faith, and he wasn't. Uh, he, th- he thought it was a, a bunch of hoopla. He was he was very bitter. He was raised in a uh, a Catholic orphanage, um, you know, where a lot of heavy stuff happened. And so um, he he was really he's absolutely uh, turned his back on religion, not down with it. And my mother, um, I think, was raised religious, but uh, in my growing up, she she never talked about religion or anything. So I think it's just something very personal to her. And um, I think she she thought it would it would make her feel better if her child were baptized. But beyond that, um, it, it I, I didn't hey hear man, about it. She's at all. Co- she's covering off all the possibilities. <laughs> that's right, just in case. <laughs> um, so so that's about as far as my religious upbringing went. Was this thing that I uh, didn't remember as a child um, because it wasn't wasn't talked about in my house. My dad didn't uh, steer me away from religion at all. You know, like uh, I can remember um, being about five years old or something, and and I it suddenly occurred to me that one day I was going to die. And uh, I, I at the time I was playing with like this uh, this um, bear based board game that I loved so much, <laughs> some sort of board game that had like these cute cartoon bears all over it. And I said to my dad, I said, "Yo, dad, when I die." am I going to be able to have this bear board game in heaven? <laughs> and, uh, wow. And, and my dad said, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, whatever you want in heaven. Hell yeah. So he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, <laughs> he didn't, my he didn't balls bring you going. back down to earth. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. <laughs> um, so he, I think both my parents just had it in there, had the, No, uh, son, much like your bear board game, heaven is fiction. <laughs> I think both my parents uh, um, adopted the approach of we'll just let him figure it out as as he's growing up wherever his uh, thoughts and, and his and so, readings so and growing his up, man from earth watchings yeah. take him. That's cool. So growing up, then you haven't like been drawn to any ideas like that. It seems. 
No, no. Okay. So I went to a, a public school. Um, we had a Catholic high school and a, a public high school in our town. I went to the public high school, um, so I didn't have any uh, mandatory religion classes, so I didn't get anything from there. Um, and uh, it has, even in school, um, I didn't take, like in university, I didn't take any religion classes. I mean, I took some history classes, and obviously, uh, you you end up talking about that sort of thing, but I I've never done any deep study on any sort of religion. Um, I've uh, spent some time reading about different religions here and there. Um, the same way I would like get in a rabbit hole of just reading about different movies or something. You know, you just get into Wikipedia run one night and you get sort of deep into it. So like I've read about Mormonism and uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and. Um, God, the, se- the sequel to Zoroastrianism is wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I've read about like different branches of Christianity and stuff, but all that stuff is just very. Uh, I read about it and then I move on. Um, like Scientology fascinates me, but obviously the way I'm reading about that is not in the way of I'm learning about this faith and getting interested in. Like the actual, they got a lot of good ideas. Faith, right? <laughs> <laughs> the Scientology thing, not so bad. <laughs> um, so no, it, it it religion for me has not developed beyond a uh, a curiosity and an interest. It hasn't it hasn't developed into any sort of spiritual leanings yet. So I would say. Um, certainly at the time that I watched the original Man from Earth, once it gets into the religion stuff, because that that isn't there for the entire movie. It kind of comes in the last half hour or something when when they start talking about uh, when, when they realize that Jesus, when they realize he is he is the superstar himself. Um, <laughs> that, that comes pretty that comes pretty late, and then they they really get talking about it, and that stuff would have totally gone over my head at the time. And then even rewatching those scenes last night, um, I was able to follow along. Okay. But in terms of really understanding where each character is coming from, um, it, it was, it was, it was tough for me because I, I wasn't raised in it and I have not since done the deep study. And so, uh, I'm pretty, uh, I'm, I was kind of on my own when it came to man from earth hollow scene. I was, I was ready Ready to be taught. I watched some Veggie Tales back in the day too. Yeah, we all uh, that stumbled upon some Veggie Tales. When there's only one set of footprints in the sandlium, it's when John Oldman carried you through this movie. <laughs> um, so uh, I am not religious. If all the jokes didn't make that abundantly clear, and I hope that nobody listening who is finds this disrespectful. That's not our intent. But I got baptized. Uh. Because what up you had baptized to, bros you had to be you had to be baptized to go to the catholic school and it was a better school um and also my grandma wanted it <laughs> so there you so, go so so did you get baptized as like a preteen no i was a, i was a baby because oh, my okay. grandma wanted it as far as i understand that might not be entirely accurate but uh and also i believe like it was easier to go to the catholic schools if you were catholic so it helped because it was the better school, I guess. Um, I so when you hit grade seven, when I was like twelve. Um, you get you get the option to get confirmed, and uh, so confirmation 
is effectively like you're really committing to this faith like hardcore like you're in like baptism you're in but like confirmation you're like in you know and um i as a child uh went to my mom and i was like hey i don't want to do that <laughs> uh not interested and uh so <laughs> and she was like let me show you a movie called the man from earth <laughs> <laughs> nah it was it was fine my mom my mom and my dad are not are not religious people and um but I want to tell this story because so she started getting like letters and calls from the church in the school. Like, yo, Corey's not signed up for confirmation yet. Did you know that? <laughs> and my mom was like, yes. They were like, well, are you going to sign him up? And she was like, he doesn't want to. So no. And they're like, you're not going to make him do it anyway. And she was like, no, he can make his own choices. And they were like, are you sure you don't want to sign him up for confirmation? Like they were really fucking pushy about it, which I find right. fascinating. Um, yeah. But despite growing up and going, like I went to a Catholic elementary school and a Catholic high school. Um, I firmly recognized that I was not a religious individual from a very young age. And, uh, you know, went through the motions because that was the obligation of the schools I attended. Um, but that's not to say I don't find it compelling. I just, I'm not le a legitimately faithful individual. Um, but like obviously took a lot of classes as a result of this, including on non-Christian faith, uh, which I find compelling. It's super interesting to me, uh, the faith and the ritual and the, the sort of the history behind those things and how they operate. Uh, so high school, I took a lot of classes in university. I did also take a handful of religion classes. I took like two um, so it's something that I find interesting and worth studying, but as an individual, I am not a religious person. Cool. Well, we're all set to, uh, get to get, man from earth get, hollow scene, get got by man from yeah. Earth hollow scene. So before we get into the movie, quick cast and crew rundown as per huge, um, directed and written by Richard Shankman, who is primarily a producer in my research. He directed, um, some Playboy stuff in the early 90s and a movie called Angel 4 Undercover under a pseudonym, which is appropriate given all the pseudonyms in this movie. Um, the story credit also goes to Eric D. Wilkinson, who is also largely a producer. He produced the first Man from Earth movie. Screenplay is also by Emerson Bixby, who is the son of Jerome Bixby, who wrote The Man from Earth. Um... The movie is edited by Bobby K. Richardson, who edited a movie called Dick Dickster, which is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> also, the Asylum movie ripoff of Bumblebee called Hornet, and a few others called The Terminators and Death Races. Um, Richard J. Violet, or Violet, uh, is the cinematographer. He did I Spit on Your Grave, Vengeance is Mine. And a bunch of music That's, videos. That sounds uh, like something we could put on the list. Make it 225. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, music is by Mark Hinton Stewart, who also did the first Man from Earth movie. And uh, cast is David Lee Smith is John Oldman, who's got some small roles in Zodiac and Fight Club. Uh, William Catt is the archaeologist Dr. R. Jenkins, who was also in Cyborg 3, The Creation, Mirrors 2, and perhaps more notably uh, is Tommy in Carrie. Uh, Vanessa Williams is Carolyn, who was on Ugly Betty and Desperate Housewives and was in the 2000 reboot of Shaft. 
Michael Dorn is also here. He's Worf from Star Trek. Everybody knows who that is. Uh, I do. I do. Sterling Knight is here. Disney Channel star who has not acted since this movie came out. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hmm. Sorry, Sterling. Bad sign, but I mean, Well, it's a real mic drop performance. He did everything <laughs> he came to do. He stabbed Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, what has Daniel Day-Lewis done since his last movie? Not much, because that's shit. all there is. <laughs> Uh, Brittany right. Brittany Kieran uh, plays Tara. She was also on notably Drake and Josh in the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, and also The Magicians. Carlos Knight uh, plays Lico, who was in the Fred movies and has also not acted since 2017. And uh, Akemi Look is uh, our one of our arguably like the main character of these four until the movie decides she's not anymore, and she plays Isabel. There's your setup. <laughs> Gotcha. So, I've already we've already talked about the plot of this movie. It's time to get down to business, to brass tacks. Oh boy. So, Liam, mm. what did you think about? Uh, how do you feel about the Holocene era of the Man from Earth franchise? Okay. Um. Oh boy. How's my mic sounding, Corey? Am I coming through clear? Yeah, I'm loud and clear, crystal baby. All right. I liked this movie more than the first one. Um, mm-hmm. I like the adventure aspect of it, the teen adventure stuff. Um, <laughs> like it's not. Per- <laughs> yeah. Do you want to take a turn? No, no, no. You're good. <laughs> I didn't think the sound I made was audible. <laughs> oh, very audible. Sorry. Corey. Um, I like the teen adventure stuff. I mean, it's not remarkable um if i'm looking for teen adventure stuff i'm not going to go to man from earth holocene i mean Airbud seventh inning fetch has better teen adventure stuff than this movie but because i was uh surprisingly put off by the dryness of that first man from earth movie and um i was uh not super excited at the prospect of just getting more of that it was I was I was kind of refreshing that I put this movie on and I didn't have to sit through that for a whole hour and a half. I I got some <laughs> some teen adventure and it was kind of it was or bright like young and... adult adventure. We don't know they might be twenty. That's right. Yeah, they they're university students here, um, and I think all of them were in their late twenties as actors at the time. But it's it's a teen adventure <laughs> vibe. Um, you know, they're not. I they're hate not... the way you're saying that. Advenge? I don't like that at all. I do. You can keep saying it, but I want you to know that I don't like it. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> um, no, so I, I like the invention. I like that they were going from uh, different place to place, and they had to get up to some uh, Sorry, different did, hijinks. I just did a spit take <laughs> when you said it again. When you said invention, I was trying to take a drink of my water, and I just spit it everywhere. <laughs> um and i because there was so much um uh bopping around in the first hour or so of the movie like trying to solve a mystery that admittedly has already been solved i mean this this is very much a uh it felt like an extra an addendum story to the first man from earth movie because it's not 
operating on the same level as that first one, just in terms of its approach. Um, and um, for most of the film, we're, we're not learning anything we didn't already know from the first one, unless it were to turn out at the end of this movie that John Oldman has been lying this whole time, which he says at the end of the first one, but then, you know, it, it turns out that it's 99% uh, implied that he was lying about lying and that, that he's, he, he, he is in fact a very old man. So I thought, unless this movie does the old reverse switcheroo and it turns out that he's been lying the entire time, if it does like a Brahms boy too and, and finds a way to rejig the first movie to fit this new narrative that's happening, which honestly would have been pretty cool. Um, but this movie doesn't end up doing that. So it, it turns out that uh, we, we don't learn a whole lot in the first hour of this movie. But I I was okay with that because we do a whole lot of learning and talking to John Oldman in the first movie. And sure, someone that's been alive for 14,000 years, you could probably listen to them talk for more than an hour and a half. It's not like he said all he has to say. But I didn't need that again for another hour and a half. So I was okay with shifting the focus to these four university students of varying acting talents and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and sticking with them and just having like the man from earth be this sort of side character. Um, that's being all mysterious and, uh, I, I was okay with it. And then when we get, uh, a classic John old man conversation at yeah. the end yeah. where he's talking to Sterling Knight. I found it more rewarding because we hadn't got that for a straight hour already. And so um, I thought that it felt earned and it was nice that, okay, now we got these two characters in a room and they're just going to talk to each other. I was okay with it. Um, all in all, I think this is a uh God damn. Can what I say it? that on this episode? God damn. I don't even know. Yeah, um, well, sure. <laughs> we're 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 not religious. No. Sorry sorry if you're offended by God damn listeners, but uh if you're if offended you made by God damn and you've listened to like eighty episodes yeah, of this show. You made it this far. Holy shit. That's kind of on you. <laughs> um I think this is a very middle of the road movie that it's a cliche to say but also i think that's what this movie wants to be it's like the middle it's the middle part of some sort of journey that the movie is sort of afraid to fully embark on because the movie ends very abruptly <laughs> but with clearly more story to tell i think this movie wants to be number two in a franchise that's going to keep going and there's going to be more to say and so catch you um, all in 2027 yeah <laughs> yeah so i think if they were to make a third one this movie would be oh yeah this is the this is the teen adventure man from earth movie and uh that that's what they did in that installment and i was okay with that i thought it was uh pleasant enough um would i recommend it to anybody no. No, it would not. So, um, made a bit of an involuntary sound earlier when you talked about the Teen Advenge. Ugh, I hate that. I'm not going to say that. 
Um, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you giving it a try. Hey, okay, man, I'll I'll do anything once, <laughs> including watch Man from Earth Hollow Seed, and probably Just not twice. Um, <laughs> so that's the part of the movie I very much don't care for. Uh, oh well, do I have a movie for you? Yeah, uh, the be- Man from Earth, because like you said. Uh, there are better places you can get that kind of thing. And also, uh, the mystery done been solved, gang. This is not interesting. <laughs> like, we know what the answer is. So, to watch these people put it put together something I already know the answer to is not interesting. Um, and the way yeah, they you, do it is very even... weird. Like, it's like, okay, so they're just gonna break into his house steal his stuff like they're just like they're just committing a lot of crimes to answer this question yeah yeah um i was actually as all, as all the best teen adventurers <laughs> do you gotta commit some crimes to get your answers i was actually a lot more willing to give this movie more credit after watching it yesterday than i am right now after thinking about it uh okay I mean, I think that's how I was with the first movie, so that's a fair take. Um, because this movie doesn't have anything to say, <laughs> or it does, but it's not—it's not compelling at all. Um, and so up to that point where that conversation that you're talking about at the end with Sterling Knight, which is which is basically the only thing I want to talk about. Um, fair in in Honestly, any fair. depth. Uh, you spend a lot of time hanging out with teens that don't really feel like teens uh the dialogue's kind of weird as established one of them is just way into the professor just like way into him uh but they're just like very enthusiastic students which is fine but like you know they're also big religion heads and like you kind of have to be there for that if you want to enjoy that um and everybody is so lightly written like there's not a lot of fleshing out of these characters any of them including john Oldman, so you're getting a very faint borderline caricature or tropey sense of like what's going on here and uh so you go through a lot of the motions of just you know the adventuring yeah i still don't like it and i'll try anything twice yeah <laughs> i'll try anything repeatedly for the sake of a bit so you're watching them be detectives and it's just not it's just not interesting. And you're seeing John old man grapple with the existential crisis of aging and potentially dying after being 14,000 years old and like also don't care about that because we don't really see a lot of him deal with that like he cuts his hand out in the woods cuz he needs to get away from all of this all of these millennials and their technology or whatever the fuck. He forgets what food tastes like. And then proceeds to not eat any food that entire trip that we see. Um, I just... I don't... I just don't care about what I'm seeing. And um, so when the movie finally takes a big swing into the... um, We're going to have a philosophical or ideological or theological debate here at the end. um, Where he effectively skewers like evangelical fundamentalist christianity which is what we understand philip to be a part of he's a born-again christian who's pretty hardcore about fairly literal interpretations of the bible whereas uh 
John Oldman and all of his fucking Buddhist enlightenment and then being literally Jesus Christ, he boils that down to, oh yeah, I went back west, said some basic spiritual truths on a hill, became Jesus, and it got out of hand. So Jesus Christ is now a white guy who doesn't really feel that strongly about anything and thinks that everything he said was super basic and obvious. Very cool movie. Uh, That's not that interesting an idea either um, because it means that it feels like he's his whole argument is just like, just be good and empathetic to people. We can make the world better here now, which is true. And I don't disagree, but like no matter how compelling that scene is, because I think the performances are probably at their best there. And in the first half of it, the writing is it's not making a big statement. And it's a statement that has been made in the first movie. He and has just the same by outlook. basic like by people, just by people, people think a lot of people think like that. Like, oh, be good to people. What a fucking concept movie. And so it's it's frustrating because it's so plain. Like, the music is plain. The cinematography is plain. The camera work is plain. Some of the performances are definitely better than they have any right to be, uh, which elevates it a little bit. Um, but by the end, it feels like I'm being preached at, but it's this very basic idea. And so it's it's frustrating almost because it's not Neil Breen bad. That's at least fun. Uh, it's not good. But it's also not super valuable, and the points that it does try to make um, are kind of weird, like, uh, oh, maybe John Oldman is starting to die because scientists have decided we're in the Anthropocene now, because humanity has made such an unchangeable impact on Earth that we are in a new epoch of time. And all he sort of says to that is like, yeah, yeah, things change, whatever. Which is a very go-with-the-flow idea, but it's like, I don't know, make a fucking statement. Even if I disagree with you, just make a statement for once. Like, never mind the, that's, the couple that's bits the that are. I guess. But like, that's not a statement. That's a very. He says, that's a very basic thought. <laughs> like, it's a basic statement. Things change, and also be good to people is not a fucking statement. I mean, everything eventually ends. I think that's what he what he said. Yeah, but like, okay. But then, what does that have to do with? Why does it matter that you're Jesus, then? Or all that other shit? Like, who cares? Well, according to John Oldman, it doesn't matter. I know! Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and then some of it feels a little bit like Oldman yells at Cloud with that opening bit about, like, social media and whatever. In the same way that Scream 4 feels a little bit like Oldman yells at Cloud with that. But then the ending of this movie rolls up, and it just totally fucking splits my brain completely in half. Uh, well, you gotta tell it. Tell the people. Well, the ending is that bit that I just said where, like, he wakes up in a cave and his friend meets him and he's like, hey, do you want to talk to my dad who's dying? Things change, huh? <laughs> End. But then in the mid credit sequence, they go to the archaeologist who wrote a book about the first movie and they got laughed out of academia for saying it was true. Uh, and he gets visited by the FBI and the FBI effectively implies that uh, he is actually effectively a 14,000-year-old serial killer. And a man with the description of dark hair, dark eyes, and six feet tall, which is like a billion people, um, has been seen in all these murders. Do you think he could commit murder, Dr. Jenkins? And he's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent an evening with the guy. I don't know. And then the movie ends. And I'm just like, what the fuck? What kind of setup is that? Because I guess the setup would be like, he's going to have to out himself if they think he's a murderer and the government wants to, like, study him for experiments like he's the fucking Hulk or something. But, like, 
I don't know. I just I had a lot of goodwill when the movie ended because I was kind of impressed at the degree to which it was a movie <laughs> and had ideas. But the longer mm. I've sat with it, the less I feel like it has ideas. That's right. Yeah, um, it sounds like you think it doesn't have any ideas. It kind of doesn't at all. I I think that mid credit scene is an idea that I wish had been the the opening credit scene i mean a movie like that that would be kind of cool maybe we'll see it but i don't know and and uh, yeah clear clearly they want to tell it so we got the first movie which is like uh my dinner with andre sort of um take on the man from earth and then we've got the teen adventure take on the man from earth and then we're gonna get the um procedural crime take on the man from earth yeah. it sounds like i guess i really i just don't feel like they thought they thought this all through. And that even goes into like when the teens are figuring this out slowly but surely. Like, even the most skeptical of them, Philip, they're all pretty easily convinced and immediately just like, yeah, this guy's probably the son of God. And we should probably be like worshiping him and like building a religion around this and making sure that the people know that he's here because it's fucking wild. And I'm trying to think, like, is that a reasonable assumption of how people would react to coming across this knowledge? Cause I don't, I don't think so. These people are very, very willing to just be like, "Oh yeah, this must be true." (laughs) I, I found it a difficult thing to, to put myself in that situation and figure that out because, um, because we as viewers know that John Oldman is the old man. I mean, you knew that, and you hadn't even seen the first movie. So the evidence that they're finding, like, seemed obvious to me. It's like, oh yeah, why didn't anyone find that in the first 14,000 years? I mean, if, it, <laughs> if these teens with the interwebs, because at one point they do say, let's go to the interwebs to look up this uh, um, anthropologist. Um, if all it took were these four teens who were in his class um, and their use of the interwebs to find him out, people must be finding him out all yeah, the time. You can tell, and he just you can moves tell they're on. the important teens because they're the only ones that get to talk. Yes, yeah, um, it's a real girl meets world sort of situation. Yeah, and and so that's weird. But then he's also just very detached from everyone around him, despite the movie giving him opportunities, like with Worf to go like drink on the bleachers like a bunch of delinquents to celebrate the birth of a child and then have an existential crisis. You know, like we all do. Um, and then it's very on-the-nose theming of, like, apparently even scotch goes bad when it ages. Whoa, boy. Wowie, zowie. Things get old and die. Including me, Worf, and also you, John Oldman. The 14,000-year-old <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the dude is actually playing himself who played Worf, and he's talking about how even his role of Worf had to end. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh. And, yeah, I, uh, fuck. I have a note here that just says, wow, she's committing to your Jesus very hard. Mm, Somebody does straight up ask him, were you or were you not Jesus, which is very funny. It's weird to me the way this movie, like, if he's 14,000 years old, it's wild that he's Jesus. If we ignore the fact that it's weird that this movie is saying that Jesus could have just been a regular white guy, because he definitely wasn't. Definitely, definitely, definitely wasn't. Um... If he was alive for 14,000 years, as established, and also did all kinds of other historically important things, including but not limited to studying with the Buddha, Jesus kind of seems like a drop in the bucket, huh? 
the way yeah. he tells it. Like, why are we building such a big deal out of specifically this? He's a real Forrest Gump of uh And I hate Forrest time. Gump. Maybe that's why that's I don't right. like this movie. He's like time Forrest Gump. Time traveling Forrest maybe, Gump. Uh maybe that's why I don't like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh maybe I just didn't like Jesus because he's kind of the Forrest Gump of the Bible. He's kind of always where he needs to be. Uh I have a note that just says, you like these Cro-Magnons, bro? I don't know why I wrote that down. Was that a line in the movie? I don't know. I can't even tell. Uh, I can't tell if that's a Corey classic or... <laughs> Who could say? Um, that opening bit is the part where the movie feels the most potentially Neil Breen. Like yes, when very they're, on they're, the note. They're coming onto the prof and that teen is like really into him. And like, let's get a shot, which is not how people talk about selfies. And uh, they're like... There are two just smooth-brained dudes just looking at that that model of a Cro-Magnon lady. Like, yeah, I'd have sex with that, bro. I'm gonna, I'm, yeah. Gonna, I'm, yeah, yeah, me too, bro. Yeah, I'm gonna be on my phone now and not listen. Yeah, and just everything about the opening few minutes and the establishing shots and the way everything looks. I was like, this is gonna be Neil Breen as hell, and then mm-hmm. it's not. <laughs> yeah, un- I guess unfortunately, hey, it um. It manages to find its footing in like a completely, um, I wouldn't even say a safe place, but a um, a completely uh, plain place, I guess. It's very plain. It's very, very, very plain. Um, a couple of the performances kind of like I like uh, a Kemi look. Like I think Isabel is good. Oh yeah, I-, I found her the worst. Oh, far. okay. Yeah. Uh, man, we really came out on different sides of this film. <laughs> um, I think, uh, well, like the performances are okay. They occasionally get better than okay. There are moments where I'm like, okay, this is improving. Yeah, it's tough. I I can't I can't get over much like the movie can't get over. I can't get over the way it it hyper fixates on the Jesus thing and like the divinity of if this man is is this man or is this man not the son of God because it's just not that that interesting the way the movie goes about it or then you get him like going out in the woods and like pensively doing caveman shit and grappling with the fact that he's dying um I don't know I don't know I don't know I expect it to be able to sort of like systematically get through this a little bit more but like really what it comes down to is like it's very weirdly structured and then it just sort of ends on a weird note so the only thing that where i'm like this feels like when the movie is doing the thing i think it wants to be doing is that conversation between john old man and sterling knight where he's kind of having a breakdown gradually um like is this guy jesus or is he not and if he is what does that mean and if he's not what does that mean and how does that fit into like how my faith in interprets the, my view of the world. And he sort of goes off the deep end a bit into like fundamentalism territory because Jesus potentially is sitting right in front of him and saying some shit that the way he has learned the faith isn't correct because he's a very like, nah, book of revelations is real. Hell is real. People should probably be there. Like, you know, heavens for people who believe in and are like in the faith and whatever. And John old man is just sort of like, being the dude and he's just like nah man just be nice to everybody we can make the world better here don't be weird (laughs) like i don't know i like that 
sequence for the most part because it feels like the most of the movie is doing what i thought it would be doing but it's still it's obviously preachy it's kind of inherently so i i guess and um it's not really making a big point like i don't why why do this if you don't have a profound statement to make right and i i think um that's it's very much what the first movie is as well. I mean, we have different writers here, so the the writing, um, just the flow of dialogue and stuff, I, I can see people arguing that the first one pulls it off better. Um, I can't speak to it because it's been so long. But the first movie, um, I think the point really is that, uh, okay, we, we first it's just about the hypothetical, what would a person who's been alive that long be like what what would their time have been like um and then when the the it's sort of a twist comes that he is uh the inspiration for jesus um the other people in the room are sort of freaking out they're either in disbelief or they they are accepting it or they're wrestling with their morals with their religion and um john old man he's he doesn't think it's a big deal and he uh you know, this is he's just been living his life, being good to people. He just happened to be alive for this long. And other people have uh, taken uh, some of his experiences and packaged them up and and sold them with a with a greater purpose. You know, like religion is something that happened to him. It's not something that he started. And um, he's he's very much a, a, a passive uh, character. And so I think that this last scene in the man from earth hollow scene this big confrontation feels true to what i remember the character to be from the first movie it seems to be making the same point that the first movie is um it's just it's coming so late i think because you can't do it for a an hour and a half like that first movie did and so okay where do we go with this story um now that we've all but established that this character is Jesus, well, we're just going to have some other characters figure that out, but regardless like, of whether the viewers know. And then in the final uh, 20 minutes, then we'll settle in, we'll have this conversation, we'll make the same point, because it's only been 10 years since uh, the conversation that he last had, and given that he's lived lived for 14,000 years, I don't think his opinions will have changed that much. And so it probably we don't feels get a whole lot like of that conversation happened last week, given like time yeah. dilation. Yeah. And so the aging thing becomes the most interesting. That's what I was most interested to watch this movie because of, I was thinking, Oh man, the actor is definitely aged. I, I was most interested to see what the movie does with that because the actors aged. That's just sort of a, a real world problem that now they have to put into the movie because there's no other way around of it. Sort of like, uh, sort of what Orphan Two is going to have to deal with. It's like either you, either you <laughs> trick Jesus. around it with with. <laughs> Either you film around it with camera trickery, which it sounds like the orphan sequel is going to do, um, but who knows, or you uh, just face it head on. And it's clear from the beginning of this movie that the, it's going to face it head on, but then it doesn't face it for a whole lot of the movie. And I was wondering if they were even going to come back to it. And then eventually we do get there. Um, and I was, I was just thinking... 
This idea of the man that has been alive for 14,000 years and has now started to age, it is a pretty ripe concept. And um, it seems like the filmmakers are so confident with the concept being good for material and they're going to keep coming back to it. They seem uh, confident or at least determined to make more movies in this series. They seem so confident in the character that they're going to make this movie actually not all that exploratory, explorative when it comes to this character. And they're going to they're going to keep some of their cards to their chest and save it for the next movie. And I don't think that was really the way to go. I think you got to you got to tell your best ideas. You got to make up your yeah. mind. It feels like and they're not it- committing to the bit in the way that they mm-hmm. ought to be. I, I, I like how we also have slightly different interpretations of what that bit should be because my point of my sticking point is he's 14,000 years old. If you were worried about the logistics of what if Jesus, what if God was one of us, like the song says, um, just make him 2,000 years old. Just make it about mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, literally. Like, I feel like it's missing a large part of the point. And it's also a very, like, western centric and frankly kind of white people centric way to look at that uh whereas you could do a lot with a man who's been alive for fourteen thousand years whereas yours is more about like this character is more compelling than they're even giving him credit for right yeah 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 when it comes to that mid credit scene Ugh. and we get like, maybe he's been a killer killer man, which is, <laughs> I could barely even tell that's what they were getting at. The writing and the it's staging so, it's and the so performance is vague. so slapdash. Yeah, it is. Oh my gosh. Um, it makes sense now why they didn't make the whole movie about that because it seems like one, they came up with it at the last minute and they were they like, they need another we decade to figure that one out. <laughs> we got to figure out how to shoot this idea. And also, we can't get that deep into the idea because uh, we don't really understand it. But if we put it in the mid-credits, we won't have to get deep into the idea. It's so, just, have you guys seen The strange. Avengers? <laughs> Those like weren't out when you. The Man from Earth came out. But they are now. And now they can put that in there because The Avengers happened. Yes. <laughs> um... And so it's just, it's a shame that uh, they don't seem to be putting their best foot forward with this movie. You know, I I just have a fondness for young adults uh, kind of trying to solve mysteries regardless of what the mystery is. Um, because, you know, like we said, we're not actually learning anything for the first hour of this movie. So I don't think they actually know what to do with the concept. It's just fortunate for me that I like that genre i'm a sucker for it and so i'll um i'll give the movie goodwill for that but if this had been a uh police procedural where we're not learning anything for the first hour i probably would have liked it less because i bet i would have had less of a fondness for those characters and um and uh just the the tone of the movie if it had gone for a bit darker more stoic police procedural because um the writing and the directing would still be the same as it is in this movie you know what i mean like it would still have the same um be limited by the same 
Uh, well, and his relationships with people are so flat that I don't want him having relationships with more people. Yeah. <laughs> like, his relationship with his fucking wife is, like, the blandest thing in this movie. Right, and it doesn't have he to be, He walks out you know? on his wife, and she's just like... She's upset, but, like, she's sort of like, okay, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, and I just gotta leave, and she's like, okay, fuck you. And he's like, okay. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be that flat. Um, it is, It's a good... It's a good concept, man. It's why I watched the first movie, and it's why I was disappointed in the first movie. Um, so, uh, this is this is sort of a that is not enough tape at the end of the movie to keep a grown man in a chair. <laughs> yeah. Well, he gets out eventually. He's somehow. it's like a single wraparound job. Sterling Knight, you got to commit, bud. If you're gonna kidnap somebody, kidnap him. <laughs> And then uh, we have uh, um, Sterling say to uh, John Oldman, he says, like, if, if you're uh, if you're the son of God, can't you just break out of the chair yourself? And John Oldman says, uh, I'm a human, you know, I'm not magic. I can't break through two pieces of tape. I'm not a magician. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, like, I, think I can self-heal, kind of but I'm not magic. Yeah. Um. I like what that's what I say. That's what I say when Brianna asks me to like, <laughs> do the dishes or something. I'm like, hey, I'm not a magician. I don't know where <laughs> the bo- I don't know where the bombs are. I don't have any gold. <laughs> uh, I like when Sterling Knight decides that he's actually the Antichrist. He's like, all that's missing is six six six. You got any tattoos? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, I don't have any tattoos, bro. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know what the goal or intent is. I don't know. I don't know. I shrug. This movie's like shrugging, and I shrug at it. It it feels like the goal or intent is to bide time while they just figure wait. out how to do the next movie. Then just wait! Doesn't it? I know, but I guess they were worried that, like, oh, man, it's been 10 years since the last one. We got to keep the fan base interested. He was 14,000 um, years old. They can wait. In we terms waited 14,000 years for that first movie. I guess they figured, man, we can't let David Lee Smith get any older. We have to address this because we, we won't know how to do it if he's 20 years older. <laughs> um. <laughs> In terms of kickstarting, maybe this has something to do with it. I don't know. So what it says on the original Man from Earth page, which I think is where you read this about the movie being kickstarted, it says the following two previous attempts at producing sequels. Mm. Um, this this comes after it says the sequel was, was released in 2017. It says the f- this this followed two previous attempts at producing sequels. A Kickstarter campaign to crowdfund a sequel named The Man from Earth 2, Man from Earth Millennium, was announced in September 2013, but it was not able to collect the minimum required supporting by October 2013. So between tw- 2013 and 2017, they maybe self-funded the money. They tried to kickstart it. No, they and then crowdfunded they crowdfunded again, and it succeeded, but it was for something else. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another attempt was made to crowdfund a series, Man from Earth, the series, based on the film. The second crowdfunding effort completed successfully in August 2014, but it was for something else. So maybe having having 
got the money for Man from Earth, the series, which is not out yet. They're still trying to figure that out. Maybe they said, okay, we got to keep the people who are interested in this series that gave us money. The John Old Man uh, heads. We, we got to keep them. We got to keep them interested. So we'll use our own money to make Man from Earth Holocene in the meantime, but we don't really know what to do with that. So we'll just, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put some stuff out there. We'll do our best and now we'll bide our time for Man from Earth, the series. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They don't know either. Um, it's cool that they let you pirate it. Yeah, that's something Jesus would do. <laughs> yeah, I I mean that earnestly. Like you know, no, I know, I know. Take from the rich, give to the poor. Type type buzz. Is that are we are we are we man from Earth out here? I'd say so. I I would. This movie would settle for me at like a. A four out of ten is where I would come in on that one. It's uh, it was okay for the hour and a half, um, and I I did like the conversation at the end between Sterling Knight and uh, David Lee Smith, um, but in terms of stitching it all together, it just feels it feels like the the ideas the the skill isn't all there nothing really coalesces but in terms of things being on a screen for an hour and a half i i found i found uh ways to entertain myself sort of like reading a shampoo bottle when you're like in the bathroom <laughs> you don't have a comic book with you you grab it and then like the shampoo bottle like has a little story on the back you know about like how the shampoo was made and it's not particularly well written or interesting but it's like hey this will do that's the man from Earth Holocene. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. Yeah. It is the man from Earth Holocene, for sure. I don't know what I could possibly say that that could be effectual. It does seem like a movie that's kind of set set in its ways, in a way, for lack of a better phrase, I guess. I don't think I'm going to convince them of anything. Yeah, if it hasn't happened yet then right. what can we do in this last minute yeah there you have it okay so for the next episode we were hoping to try something a little bit different with how we choose the movie we have a pretty big list of movies just sort of on hand and we we just kind of skim through it every week and end up picking something out of a hat but uh liam mentioned a good idea a really good idea and um that was to let a random number generator decide because I guess some other shows you listen to do that. That's right. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they, they make some sort of gimmick out of it. You know, they have a, a big wheel that they spin around or something. We and, don't have the budget for it, a wheel. It's cool because Corey and I, we have this master list, but it's not a list that we pulled from the internet of forgotten sequels or remakes. You know, this is something I have on my phone that I will add to at 3am. I'll wake up in a cold sweat and I'll say, <laughs> Oh shit, I've got to put the gate two on the list. And so, <laughs> I just I add to it really wacky ideas, sometimes stuff that doesn't exactly line up with the show, but then uh, it just gets moved further down the list. And so there's stuff here that Corey and I got to quick, you know, like I I had to remove um, like prom night two was the fifth or sixth thing that I ever put on the list. And we just got to that in October. But then there's stuff that, you know, the first five things I ever put on the list a year and a half ago, we still haven't got to. So this is going to force Corey and I to reckon with uh, either our collective insanity or my 3am insanity and see what comes up. And um, so 
we were like, oh, how many things do you think are on this list? I way undersold it. I was like, I don't know, 40? And it's like, nah, it's probably closer to 70. Liam, how many things are actually on this list? 70 was also a big undersell. <laughs> so eliminating the stuff that we had already gotten to, um, there was a few of those. And I also eliminated some special stuff that we are going to save for you know, holidays or, or special event shows that we're not ready to just conquer next week without any prep. So the list is pretty parsed down. I tried to get rid of any doubles because, you know, <laughs> I, I put Dennis the Menace down in our first week of doing the show. And then just like two days ago, I thought, oh, shit, Dennis the Menace needs to be on the list. And there it was again. So I, I've tried to eliminate all that stuff. And so the pretty good looking list, best it's ever looked, is... 224 <laughs> items long that's so many that's too and it, many it, it, and it'll be longer by the end of the day right like oh. I, I have to add to this at least once a day this is we're this constantly is, uh... adding to it like yeah yeah so what i've done is i have opened up google and typed in random number generator and uh set it to the minimum is one maximum is 224 and uh i'm just gonna hit generate and whatever it lands on we are gonna do next week next week right away so without further ado i guess there's no real reason to build tension here that's what this whole segment's been doing so uh three two one click okay okay that's not a very big number okay 48 liam what is the 48th entry on our big list 48, Corey, <laughs> is a horror film. Okay. It is right between What a Man Wants and Bigger, Fatter, Liar. <laughs> so that's the stuff we avoided. 48 is House on Haunted Hill. Okay. I that's... assume that's 1999 remake of a William Castle film. Okay. That's House very, on Haunted Hill. That's very meat and potatoes for us. That could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, that's not so bad. No, that, uh, yeah, okay, so there it is. House on Haunted Hill next week, and um, most episodes, at least for the foreseeable future, I think we're gonna mess with this. I think that's a good idea, and it'll it adds this fun little collaborative bit to the end, which I think is pretty cool. But okay, I feel like we dodged a bullet somehow, so that's what that's what we got next week, and um, and uh, with that out of the way, uh, I want to thank everybody once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as they made another one. You can reach us via email at TMAOPodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what pseudonym you would use if trying to not give away that you were a 14,000-year-old college professor. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And as soon as my lazy ass fixes the soundboard, you will hear sound clips courtesy of Jason DeLine. You can find on Instagram at DeLine Man. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallo. And you can catch me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. And you can also check out MK Podquest a show that I am doing with our dear friend Final Neil, where we are working our way through the 90s television fantasy action television extravaganza television show, Mortal Kombat Conquest. And uh, those are out every Monday. 
on your podcast service of choice and you can find us on twitter at mk podcast and with all that sorted uh we will catch you here next time for more they made another one <laughs>